thankful you're here, amen. I ain't got nothing planned for Father's Day, and I'd be honest, if I did have something planned, what I want more from Father's Day right now is a nap, amen. And I think I'm going to get me a good nap after church, after Diane feeds me, but all kidding aside, I want to give a shout out to all the fathers. What a blessing to be a father, to have had a father, but no matter what, no matter what kind of father you may have experienced here on earth, there is one in heaven who loves you, who gave his son for you, and he is a good, good father. And so we thank God today that he is our father through Jesus Christ. And because of that, no matter what, we can celebrate Father's Day. If you got your Bible, I want to ask you to turn with me this morning to... And I have lost a page of, no, here they are. I'm just mixed up a little bit. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And I want to talk to us this morning about the value of the instruction, the advice of a godly father. If there's something lacking today in our society, it's godly men who are able to raise up godly sons to become godly fathers who repeat that process. As a matter of fact, we have a father shortage in America today. You may not know that yet. But if you look with me here, this comes out of Proverbs. That's the Israelites' wisdom book. And one of the themes of the book of Proverbs is the father speaking to his children to give them the wisdom that they need to experience a blessed quality of life. And right here, if you look in chapter 4, the Bible says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, some translations say sound teaching, and do not forsake my law. One translation takes verse 2 and says, I give you good teaching, so don't abandon my teaching. And friends, it says right here, when I was my father's son, tender and only one in his sight of my mother, he also taught me. And he said to me, let your word, heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom and get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you Love her, and she will keep you. How many of you remember when you got old enough to realize your daddy was smarter than you thought he was? If you think you know it all, I can promise you, you already need a good dose of humility. Amen? And it's amazing, the older you get, the more you realize your parents knew. And the first thing you learn when you get kids is the same thing happens to you. You know, right here, The psalmist who, I mean the proverb writer who is Solomon, the wisest man who ever was, he says, hear my children the instruction of your father. Give attention to know my understanding. For I give you good doctrine. I give you sound, healthy teaching. He says, and do not abandon my instruction. Friends, do you remember what it was like, or some of you still do, when you were confused, when... Life threw something to you that was difficult. The privilege, the blessing, the security it was to be able to go to your dad. You know, I miss that more than anything I think about my dad, being able to go to him. What do you think ought to do, daddy? 
You know, I thank God that now we have the Lord and we can always turn to Him. But one of the greatest things we have to offer to our children is not our money. Although I've seen this week that someone said a father is someone who carries pictures in his wallet where his money used to be. <laughs> and that's pretty true, amen? But you know, the greatest thing you can give to your children is good old sound advice on how to make the most out of this life that God's given us in a way that honors the Father and blesses us. And that's what he's talking about. If you go back to chapter 1, I just want to come through this right quick and get back up to where I want to preach. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon in verse 1, chapter 1, the son of David, the king of Israel, just as David gave instruction and invested his wisdom and knowledge to Solomon. Solomon now is giving it to his son. That's what he said. He said, when I was a young boy, my dad instructed me. Look at what he says down in verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother. Children, if there's any kids in here today that's still at home, you need to listen to your parents. No one loves you. No one cares for you. No one wants the best for you more than them. And friends, I don't know about you, nothing blesses a parent more than when a child listens. Same with God. And as you go through these, you get to see, and look at chapter 2, look at the first verse. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, over and over you're going to see if you take time to just read through the Proverbs that it is emphasizing the importance of receiving the instruction of a wise, godly father. Look at it again, verse 1 of chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. Look at chapter 3. Look at verse 1. My son, do not forget my law and let your heart keep my commands. And look at what it says in verse 2. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Now there was times when my daddy's instruction wasn't listened to where I thought life was coming to an end. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But discipline is part of wisdom. And friends, listen, as we get to where I want to look at in chapter 4, he says right there, hear my children, the instruction of a father. Give attention, pay attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. I give you sound truths, what he's saying. John said, he says that nothing, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That's what the apostle John said in Third John. And friends, as you look, look through chapter 4. Look at what he says in verse 10. Hear my son and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. Look at what he goes on and says in verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Verse 1, chapter 5. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding. Guys, listen. It's as if Solomon is pleading with this son. I know what I'm talking about. I've been there. I've done that. I've experienced this. Listen to me. Receive my instruction. Make use of my understanding. Take the wisdom that I have. But you know what? We don't always like to do that, do we? But guys, out of all the things we can tell them, there's nothing that we can be better for them than to show them. And I want you to turn with me to Psalm 1, chapter 1. 
And I want to talk to us a little bit about how to make the most of your instructions and your wisdom to your children. I don't know if you know this, but have you figured out yet that there is a father shortage in America today? I looked up some things, and I want you to think about this with me. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, as of 2021, 19.5 million children in America, that's one in four, live without a biological, a step, or an adoptive father in the home. That's a quarter of the children living right now in America have no father figure in their life at all. Single mother families. As a matter of fact, the havoc that has come into the disruption of our society has pretty much gotten rid of the nuclear family, the traditional family's gone. If you're in church now, you've got to learn to minister to families on all different combinations. It's hard to find a husband and a wife with grown kids that all have the same mother and father and they all have been together since those couples get married. Now, I'm not here to say that God can't help us and he won't help you and there's hope and there's grace for every situation, but I'm telling you there's a benefit to doing it God's way. And as you think about this, that's enough children to fill New York City twice and Los Angeles four times that are fatherless. Research shows that a father's absence affects children in numerous unfortunate ways. It's not good to not have a dad. While a father's presence makes a positive difference in the lives of both the children and the mother. Friends, y'all don't have to read my Bible and I don't have to sit here long and try to prove to you that a home with a godly father and a godly mother that love one another and love those children has a big advantage over one where some of that's missing. And friends, the, the statistics do not lie. 75% of long-term correctional facility inmates are from father-absent households. 75% of prisoners with long-term sentences are in there because they didn't have a father. 85% of rapists that were motivated by a displaced anger are from fatherless homes. 85% of kids who exhibit behavioral disorders are from fatherless homes. 85% of kids who are juveniles in state institutions come from fatherless homes. 85%. Listen to this. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. That's 32 times above the average. And this one here, 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. That's nine times the regular average. I don't know about you, but if we're going to make a difference, that's just those children that had not a father. But guys, I was thinking about this. You know, it's sad that a quarter, a fourth of our children in America didn't have a father at all. But I believe if there was a way to get statistics that it would blow our mind if we found out how many of them had a bad one. So on top of that, you got a quarter that didn't even have a father, and then you got only heaven knows how many didn't have a godly one. My question today is how rare, how valuable, how needed is the demand for godly fathers today?
fathers who love God, who honor God with their life to the point that it doesn't what they say proves to you they love God, but how they live and who they are. Men of character, men of integrity, men who when they tell you something, you can shake their hand and take it to the bank. Where has that went? Because what they need more than anything else today, my friend, is a man who will invest his life in them. I don't know if you have got caught up in this woke society that believes now that you can have a family and you can even not have a man. In fact, you can have someone who's a woman say she's a man and be a father. But I'm here to tell you today that it takes a man to teach a man how to be a man. A woman, I don't care how much she might look like one, try to act like one, dress like one, even go have some medical activity in her life to try to make her one. She will never be able to replace a father and the impact that a man makes in another man. And it's the same with a daughter. Daughters need their dads as much as sons need their dads. And so fathers, today I want to encourage you that there is a way that you can impact your children. And you know, Solomon said, give them the sound instruction that you've learned. Give your wisdom back to them. Plead with them. Share with them. But I want you to think about this. When you look at Psalms number one, you see a blessed man. First thing it says, if you look in Psalm 1, verse 1, blessed is the man... Friends, if we're going to be a blessing to our children, we've got to be blessed by our God. Well, you've got to have the favor of God on you today. You've got to have the Word of God in you. You've got to have the Spirit of God strengthening you. and encouraging. The grace of God has got to be with you or you're not going to make a difference in your child in your own strength, in your own ability. Your religion will never help them. You've got to have God on you. So what kind of man does God work through? What kind of man does God give the ability to instruct his children in a way that he makes a life-changing impact for the good, for the better, so that he doesn't make the mistakes that everybody else makes without God? Well, first of all, when I look at this text, I see right before my eyes three things that I want to look at. First of all, if you're going to be a man, a father, that's going to make a godly impact in your life, you're going to have to be a man who is separated from this world. You can't be like the world, you can't be of the world, and be able to give your children the things that is going to keep them from becoming like everybody else in this world. Look at what it says right here. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor does he stand in the pathway of sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of the scornful. God's man, my friend, is separated from the world. As a matter of fact, if you want God to be all that he wants to be to you, you're going to have to separate yourself to him. That's called sanctification. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You know what I find? The more I learn about this good, good father that I have experienced through Jesus, my heavenly father, the father who loved me enough to send his son to die for me, to save me, who cares for me, who's promised to provide for me, to protect me, to make his presence real in my life. He says, separate. Listen to what he says. Therefore, come out from among them who? The lost, the world, the wicked, the, 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 the people who listen.
listen to ungodly counsel. The sinners who walk down the pathway of wickedness and the scornful who speak against God, who don't love God. You can't sit at the table of the ungodly and eat the blessings and the fruit of God. You can't walk down the pathway of the sinners and walk with God. Friends, listen, you can't listen to the ungodly counsel and receive the promises that God has to offer. You've got to separate. And that's what you see right here. Friends, the man of God is careful in his walk. The man of God, though he is in the world, he does everything in his ability to not be of the world. And friends, I don't know if you figured this out yet. The world is not a place that you get everything it promises. The world is corrupt. The world is dark. The world that we live in today, it's a scary place. And friends, when you look and you see what's going on around us today, it, it breaks my heart that so many people are in the church who are practicing and say they are Christians have given an ear to the counsel of the ungodly to the point it's got their attention. And friends, if you give attention to the life, lies and the philosophies and the blatant untruths that they're promoting as okay, as life choices that you can make that go against God, that are directly opposed to the Word of God, and you, are, you start looking at them and you give them your attention, the next thing you know, you're going to begin to feel this, this part of you begins to come with where you begin to agree with it. You begin to have, become in harmony. Look at what's happening to mainline Christianity in the church today. Somebody got to listen to the ungodly garbage of the world, to this woke society, to this lost culture that is taking over our nation, America. And they began to give it attention. Then they began to listen to it, and they said, that doesn't really sound that bad. And one day they began to agree with it. And once you begin to agree with it, you become attracted to it. The next thing you know, you begin to walk towards it. And you begin to live just like them. That's what's happening in churches today. To the point that finally, you sit down with the ungodly and you begin to participate in their sinful activities. It all started with giving it your attention and listening to it. But he says, the blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't listen to it. He doesn't give them his attention. It says that the blessed man doesn't stand in the path of sinners. He doesn't hang out with that. And it says that the blessed man doesn't sit where the scornful sit. Friends, I want you to think about this. The church today is saying that they're in agreement, that they actually give affirmation to things that God has said will ruin our lives. Same-sex marriage will not only ruin that couple's life, it'll ruin those that they raise up and teach that to. And friends, listen, that's just one little thing. There are so many things that blows my mind. And friends, I'm not saying this to make fun of anybody, but it blows my mind that our nation, our leaders, are embracing such a radical move to the left that they are saying and forcing down our throats as the citizens of the United States of America that we have to accept any type of lifestyle that women can become men and raise children as men. Friends, I'm going to tell you what. No matter what you may be able to do physically in this life, no woman will ever be able to do what a man can do, and no man will ever be able to do what only a woman can do. 
I'm so glad I'm old-timey. I'm glad my daddy was a man, and I'm glad my mama was a woman. Amen? And I'm glad my wife is a woman. And friends, I know that they want to tell you some stuff, and the church, sadly, is moving to the left with it. They're gradually becoming to agreement. They're gradually being attracted to it to the point they're making affirmation of it and they're sitting down with it as it's okay. If you don't believe me, the Methodist church who went south a long, long time ago, God bless them, I pray for them. It breaks my heart. I want to learn from them. I want to keep the Southern Baptists from doing it. But a long time ago, they took the long biblical course and they began to ordain women as pastors. And then from there, they were one of the lead-offs to begin to ordain homosexual practicing men and lesbians as practicing pastors. Do you know what they did last week? They ordained their first openly transvestite pastor to a church. Now, I'm not here to condemn Methodists. I'm here to say I'll pray for them. I love them, but that is biblically wrong. And if you agree with that, if you listen to that, you've already been entrapped by the ungodly counsel of the world you got to separate from that. Right now, we had a convention last week that went further liberal, just like last year for the Southern Baptist Convention. And friends, I don't know about you, but there are some things that matter what we believe. There are some things that matter what we do. Because friends, the blessed man is the man who doesn't listen, he doesn't agree, He doesn't stand in the pathway where sinners stand. The devil's trying to shut my throat. Y'all pray. <clears throat> and he surely doesn't sit in agreement and affirm the ungodliness that the world says is okay. It'll get better in a minute. But guys, not only is a man of God who's going to make a spiritual difference in his children, separated from the world how do you get separated from the world you don't listen to their counsel their philosophies you listen to god's not only is he separated from the world but if you look right here, he's saturated in the word and i want to ask you today what is the primary influence of information coming into your life where do you get all the things that forms your belief system because there's only two belief systems in the man that matters do you have a biblical worldview or do you have a secular worldview? And it's sad how many people put Jesus over their life, but their worldview is much more secular than biblical. Because you've got to be saturated in the Word of God. If you are only having your mind impacted and influenced with entertainment, secular ideas and philosophies and you are not combating that with a regular good dose of the word of God you will become more like the world than the word of God in Jesus Christ friends it's impossible to only come to church on Sunday hear a preacher preach a little old one sermon to you and then go out there and listen to the world all week long your kids are in a hellhole battle for survival every day they go to public school, if you ain't noticed yet. They ain't there to tell them about Jesus. They're, I just seen a thing the other day about our Ivy League 
higher education colleges. Someone got smart, got to looking. You know, they get all this government help and government money, and they don't have any kind of things to answer for. And friends, listen, someone did a survey. The higher the degree of education, the higher the percentage of their liberal. The higher degree that they get from these colleges, when they leave, the more committed to the left and to progressive liberalism they are. Friends, you, some of us know you've sent your kids to college and they came back a different animal than when they went. Friends, listen, the majority of these colleges are nothing there. They're not there to educate your kids. They're there to indoctrinate them. And that's why the left is promoting free college. Take off their debt. Get everybody in these colleges because the colleges are corrupted to where the higher they educate. Friends, they're trying to even bring it now from the college. They own the colleges. And now what are they trying to get? Our public schools. They're trying to take it from the control of the parents. They're trying to take it control from the common American, and they want to control it. They don't want to control it to make your kid better. They want to control it to make them kids into what they want them to be, to indoctrinate them. Why do you think they want prayer out of school? Why do you think they took the word of God out of schools? Why do you think they don't want Jesus mentioned in a public school anymore? Because that goes against the world's plan. So, friends, you've got to be saturated in the truth. You need the word of God more today than you ever did in America. And, friends, look at what it says the man of God does here. It says, his delight, look at verse 2, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. If you look in the word of God in the Old Testament, God has never had a more committed people than the Israelites when it came to the word of God and the truth. Listen what he told them in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. And these words, Moses said, I command you today shall be in your heart. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18, he says, Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Deuteronomy 30, 14 says, But the word is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Friends, if you ever really took time to look, let me just read this to you. This is what God told the Israelites in Deuteronomy. He says, these words, the word the Lord spoke to you at the assembly shall be in your mouth and in your heart. How did they get it into their mouth and in their heart? They meditated on it every day. They made a conscious effort to be saturated with the truth that God had gave them. Listen what he says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Now, how do you think that happened? Every Jew, before he could ever be recognized as an adult in the church, had to memorize that verse. The Lord God is one. Friends, listen, this is what it says. I hate to tell some of you, but it's not my job to teach your children the word of God. It's not your private school or anything else. You know whose job it is to teach your children the word of God? You. Just like we sing Solomon said, listen to my instructions. Just as my father taught me, 
I'm going to teach you. Retain my words. Listen to my words. Don't take a blind eye to my sound teaching. Listen to what he says right here. He says, you shall teach these words diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up in the morning. What he's saying is, when you lie down at night, you need to be talking about the Word of God. When you rise up in the morning, you need to start with the Word of God. He says, you need to every day, that's what he's saying, teach this to your children. Listen to what he goes on and said. You shall bind these words as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So it shall be when the Lord God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things. That's what he gave us in America. We had an abundance of all this thing. Houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewned out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the words of the Lord. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him, and you shall take oaths in his name. Friends, listen. It's not enough just to say we're saved and get to go to heaven. The world out there, you have to be saturated in the word of God. You know what Jesus said? Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth by the mouth of God. Now, I know y'all. I grew up with y'all. For five years, almost six, I've been around y'all. Ain't nobody here going to miss dinner after church. When we leave, y'all already probably have discussed where we eating, what we're going to eat. How many options do we have? We are not going to miss a physical meal. But how many of us can say that all week we've been dieting on the Word of God? That we've made it a priority to bring it into our home. Friends, I want you to think about this. In order for our lives to look like the way the Lord wants it to look, we have to make a central place in our life, in our homes, and in what we teach our children to the Word of God. We must be immersed into God's word daily to the point that it becomes part of the way we think. That's what he means to meditate on it. Listen to this. In a survey, according to LifeWay's research, reading the Bible on a daily basis was the number one predictor of spiritual maturity among those they surveyed. Reading the Bible has more to do with how mature you are and how godly you are than anything else. In this survey, the research revealed that 16% of people who regularly attend church at least once a week read the Bible on a daily basis. 16% are students of the Word of God that are meditating on it, that's trying to learn it. 32% read it at least once a week. Now, guys, that don't sound too bad. 32% read it once a week. 16% read it every day. This means, though, that way over half do not read the Bible on a consistent basis at all. I don't know about you. I'm a preacher. I have to read it every day or I'll get fired. <laughs> if you've got to come up with messages, I done had a funeral yesterday. I got another one tomorrow. I had to preach this today. Friends, this will make you get in the book. Amen? But, friends, I want to ask you, is the book getting in you? How much of it can you quote? How many of it do you understand? The principles, does what the Bible teach, its instruction and its wisdom and its philosophy, its worldview, is that what flows through your thoughts each day? 
Because you don't have to, you, you shouldn't have to say, I wonder what the Bible says. I need to figure this out. I need to get me a concordance so I can look up and do. No, you need to be in the book so much that the book's in you so that when you face all of these lies and stuff, you are meditating on it day and night because that's what he says. Listen, not because you have to, but because you want to. I can remember when I first got saved and the Bible began to become important to me. How many of you have had that occurrence? And I began to want to read it for the first time. And then I began to see the benefit of it. And friends, you know, as we look at this text, look at what he says about this man, the blessed man. His delight is in the word of the Lord. He says, and in the law, the word of God, he meditates in it day and night night you know when I first got saved something that happened before I even realized it was that when I get up in the morning the first thing I'd done before I would look at Fox (laughs) Facebook social media didn't have it back then thank God but the first thing I do is get my Bible get my cup of good old community roast sit out in my chair I began to read the Bible before anything else. Then when I went to bed at night, at my nightstand was a book that I was reading through that was biblical-based, that was theology, Jesus' truths. And I'd read that till I fell asleep. You know what that began to form in me and I didn't even realize what I was doing? I woke up to the thinking and the truths of Scripture before I started my day. I laid down at night and as I began to lay down, I went to sleep with those still, those truths flowing through me. Guys, listen, before long, I began to know things I didn't even realize how I knew them. I would begin to stay at church, and me and Diane seeing this happen more than once. We'd say, man, we already doing that. <laughs> how was we doing that? The preacher never told us. The Word of God showed us. And friends, listen. The Word of God is the most important thing in your life. You've got to be saturated with it. You, if you think you can survive social media, entertainment, ungodly everywhere you look, without the Word of God, you are already a part of the world. Friends, listen, it's hard to get out from that. And you've got to give the Word of God. Our, what we need to give our children more than anything else is the wise counsel and instruction of this book. Because that's the only thing that's going to save them from what the world's offering them. You know what else? To not be in the world, to be separate from the world, you've got to be where God wants you to be. You know what I found? When I'm willing to separate myself from all the things that God says not to be a part of, don't go with the world. Don't go down their path. Don't listen to their counsel. Don't sit at their table. That's not where God wants you. That won't bless you. That will never make you happy. That will never make you blessed. That will always, in the end, make you sorry. It will never provide what the devil, the world, and your flesh thinks it will. He says, I got a better plan for you. So you get in the Word. And as you're in the Word, you begin to see who God is. You begin to see what God can do. And you begin to see what God has promised for you. And friends, listen, God has a place for everybody. And it's not sitting at the table with the scornful. It's not standing in the path with sinful people. And it certainly ain't listening to the counsel of the ungodly. God wants us to be in Christ. He's got a place. And friends, listen. Not only is the man who is the godly man who can instruct his family 
and be a blessing as a godly father, separated from the world. Not only is he saturated in a product of the word of God, he's situated by the water where God wants him to be. The water represents the supply of what God has for you. Look at what he says right there. He says, the man who is separated from the world, who doesn't stand in the path of sinners, he's not listening to the counsel and walks not in their ungodliness. He doesn't sit at their seat. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He in the law, he meditates day and night. God didn't say he might be. He said he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. See, God, my friend, wants to situate you where he needs you to be, where he wants you to be. As a matter of fact, he needs to root you. And he needs to plant you. Because when you are in the wrong place, friends, I don't know about you right now, it's pretty dry, amen? We have to water stuff all the time because it's withering. You let two or three days of this, you know, I just seen today, I was looking at my calendar. Do y'all know that summer starts on the 21st in two days? I don't know if that calendar knows what it's talking about. I believe summer's already here, amen? But friends, listen, we're in a drought. But when you're planted where God is, you can be in a drought. Because he says he wants to plant you by the river of waters where your roots can get deep and where you can get anchored, and you can get what you need. I don't know about you, but right now, look at America. Look at the world we live in. There's a spiritual drought. You can't get your soul nourished in the world. You can't find what you need to be spiritual healthy outside of God. But friends, when God puts you where he wants you, you will be situated by the things that will supply you with the spiritual nourishment you need. I'm going to tell you what. In Psalm 92, listen to what it says. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like the cedars of Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Friends, if you're right with God and you have separated yourself from the world and you are right with God and you are saturated with the truth and truth is speaking to you and you are in the instruction of the truth and righteousness of God's truth, let me tell you where you won't be on Sunday. You won't be out there. You'll be in the Lord's house. Friends, you can find every excuse in the world to miss church, but none of them will ever line up with the word of God in Jesus. This is the place for God's people to be today. Listen to what it says right there. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in their old age. They shall be fresh and flourish. I don't know about you, but I didn't come to church today because I had to. I didn't come to church today because I'm a preacher. Y'all might not believe this, but when we do leave and go on vacation, no matter where we are, we go to church. I go to church because I love church. And I loved church before I became a preacher. I've been telling y'all this since the day I got here. I found it. I heard it from a good old black man preacher, and I believe it's true. He said, if the Lord's church ate your mama, then the Lord probably ain't your daddy. Because they come together. A man who has the Lord and he don't think he needs the church will never be mature and blessed and prosper and have all the spiritual maturity to flourish and bear fruit outside of a connection with God's people, the body of Christ, the church. You can look at it on social media. You can watch the video, but it ain't like being here. Amen? 
I'd rather be at a dead church live than to watch a live church on television. Amen. I want to be in there with God's people in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I want to get the full experience because guess what? It takes that to make me realize in this dead hell world that we live in that God is alive, that he lives. You know where I see God more than anywhere else? I know you don't have to go to church to experience God, but I'm going to tell you where I consistently come in contact with God more than any other activity in my life, church. I see him fooling with you. I see him affecting me. Over and over and over, God shows up at the church house, blessing his people. Friends, that's what God wants to do. He wants to plant you, but he doesn't only want to plant you in the church. He wants to plant you into the kingdom. He wants you to be part of his agenda. He's got a place and a purpose where he wants to put you. And when you're planted where God wants you, friends, I want to tell you something. You don't get dry. You don't run out because he is your supply. But you've got to be situated where he wants you to be. Friends, do you know today we have a very mixed up understanding of what God wants to do in our life? I love this quote. I don't know who this guy is. I'm going to try to find out if he's got a book. But I found this quote. He said, God is more concerned about your character than your comfort. His goal is not to pamper you physically, but to perfect you spiritually. Friends, you know why people don't want to come to church? When you come to church, you're going to run into accountability. You're going to run into conviction. You're going to get your faith tested. I don't know about you, but my Bible tells me to love one another. Well, it's easy to say you love one another when you stay by yourself. But if you join a church, you're going to learn real quick some of the hardest people to love is your brothers and sisters in Christ. you got to learn to forgive like Jesus forgives. You know what people tell me all the time? I don't go to church no more because somebody did me wrong. They hurt my feelings, so I just stay home. You think he's ever going to grow past that? You know how you grow? You face that person. You face that thing because... If you go to another church if, with that, you, God's going to be somebody else show up. Friends, we learn to grow together in church. You can never grow and be all you want to be if you're not planted where God wants you to be. And so I want you to think about this. I don't know about you, but I look to people who's been in church for 30 years, 40 years, and they still come every time. They still want to be here, and they still serve. I want to know what helped them do that. We just lost one of our longest tenure deacons this week, Brother Jimmy Russell. He sat back there when he came, had him a cane. Brother Jimmy didn't only love Jesus, he loved church. He loved his people. You know what Miss Nita told me was the last thing he told her? I don't know if you heard what happened, but he was in the shower, and he called to Miss Nita for help, and she went in there. He was sitting in there slumped over. And he said, Nita, I need help. Help me. She said she couldn't hold him. She said she helped him get down on the floor where he wouldn't fall. And you know what Brother Jimmy was telling her? Call the church. Call our church. Call the church. Where did that come from? Because he knew that next to Jesus, the best and most help you'll ever find is when you've got a church family that you've been part of, that you love. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but that's an unbelievable thing. That's where he'd been planted, and he stayed faithful. You know how long they've been married? 67 years. 
Got two daughters that are both their biological children. And I sat in there at the hospital with them and I watched them praise Jesus and talk to Jesus while their daddy waited to be called home to be with Jesus. And friends, let me tell you something. Miss Nita shared, I learned so much. Brother Jimmy was 17 and she was 15. And they ran off and got married together. Friends, you can't make it 17 and 15 for 67 years, go to church the whole time, be faithful, be a deacon, and always show up where God wants you to be. And I know some things about Jesus. We're losing those old people. Those are the people that some of you young people need to look to because I'm telling you right, they know some things we don't apparently know because today, where are our young people? How many people can we find been married 60 years, 50 years, 30 years, 20 years, 10 years? How many of us has got the same children from each other? Friends, I'm not putting down on all that stuff, but that's the kind of stuff that God blesses and that comes from being separated from the world. The world today thinks nothing of divorce. God said, I hate it. The world today thinks nothing of immorality and having kids out of wetlock and not honoring God. The world thinks it's okay. God says that he will bless the marriage bed, but fornicators and adulterers he will judge in Hebrews chapter 13. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, day, and forever. The world thinks that you can make a family any way you want it to be. You can redefine marriage. You can redefine family. You can redefine the church. You can make the church what you want it to be. You can forget the rules and the godly teachings of that Bible, and you can run church the way you want to run it. But the world is wrong. The more we do what that Bible says, the more we separate from the lies of the ungodly counsel, and we don't stand in the pathway with sinners, and we don't sit at the table with the scornful and the ungodly, and the more we saturate ourselves with the Word of God, the more God will plan us and situate us in the place where He can bless us. And friends, there's no better place that you'll ever be in life, whether you're rich, educated, or broke, and not too educated, than to be in Jesus. I've found when I'm in Jesus and Jesus is in me, life is different. We talked about the difference Jesus made yes week. When you get saved, it makes a difference. But when you do what I'm talking about, it makes a difference. The difference is the way church used to be compared to how it is today. The difference is the way our families used to be compared to how they are today. The difference is the way marriages used to be compared to how they are today. The difference is between how we are compared to how we, the people of God, used to be. Friends, we don't need to compromise. We need to stand for Jesus. I'm not ashamed to tell you today that I thank God I had a father. He was a great man. He blessed us, but he didn't raise us in church. But before he died, one of the biggest things he ever did was one day he was sitting on that swing outside. We had our own business. We went out to go to work, and he's sitting there. He'd chew that red man every morning, read that Bible. And when he'd finally get me up, because I'd stay out all night back then, he'd tell me where we was going to work. We drilled water wells. And he'd tell me, you go to that job, I'll be up there about 10 to make sure things are going right. And me and the two guys that worked with us would leave out. About 10 o'clock, he'd come check on us. 
we work. One morning, out of nowhere, he had that Bible sitting there. He done killed him a spot of that St. Augustine grass as far as he could spit. And he'd sit there and chew that red man. I know you ain't supposed to probably chew red man, but he was reading his Bible while he did it. And he told me one morning, he said, son, I owe you an apology. I want to ask you to forgive me. He says, me and your mama didn't raise y'all in church. We didn't teach you the truth. And I want you to forgive me. He was my hero. And if you don't think he was a hero, that's because you never knew him. But he said, I'm sorry, and I want you to forgive me. And I said, daddy, man, you, oh, that ain't nothing. I'm going to work. And I went, and I didn't think nothing about it. But when life became unmanageable and all my bad decisions caught up with me and I was to the end of myself, I had that Bible, the very one that he sat with, my mama had given me. And I began to look in that Bible and I said, there's something in here my daddy read every day. There's something in here that he must have seen. And he must have been praying because apparently I've seen it too. And I got saved. Friends, I'm telling you right now, the greatest thing you'll ever give your kids it's not money, it's not possessions, it's not only a good name, but it's to give them Jesus. He is the one that we need more than anything else. So I want to encourage you, Dad, don't quit praying, don't quit preaching, don't quit loving. Keep standing up for Jesus, because sooner or later Jesus will stand for you. Keep walking with Jesus, because I promise you he's walking with you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. Sometimes it feels like you're by yourself. That's probably when he's with you more than ever. And friends, listen, God loves us, and we need to stay close today, because if there's ever been a time where we need more of it, today is that time. If you need to be saved today, God will save you. Jesus died for your sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. He lives today and has ascended back to heaven with full victory as the Son of God, the living Lord, and He sits at the throne, and He's here today to help you if you'll trust Him. And I want to invite you to do that. But those of us who are saved, separate from that stuff of the world. Get in the Word and let it just come into your mind and saturate you with its truth and its life-giving power. And then let God put you where He wants you and sit back and get ready. He'll bless your socks off. He'll change your life. Amen? Amen. Well, I need to quit preaching. I said I was going to preach a short one today so I could go get my nap. But all kidding aside, Jesus is here today and He can help you if you need help. What are we going to sing, Brother Jonathan? Jesus paid it all. If you need to come today, please come while he is calling. Let's stand. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for our good Father in heaven. I want to thank you for the example he sets. And Lord, I want to thank you for those in here who can say they had a good daddy, a man who showed them right and wrong, who gave them information that helped them to know you, but, Lord, I want to pray for those who may not have had that. That in spite of the failures of our human nature, that we can overcome that through Jesus. And, Lord, I pray today that if there's someone here who's struggling, that you would help them to commit to be that good father that you have the ability to make him. Help us, Lord, today to look to you in all things. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.
many of you know who Josh is? Josh, after yes, last week's service, got to talking with me. And he says, you know, he says, man, I, I really have gotten my life right with God since I've been coming here. And I know I'm saved and I, I need to get baptized and I want to join the church. So he comes today to make that commitment to join the church and be officially a member here, but also to be baptized as a sign of he's, he's full out, wants to follow the Lord. Man, um, he had a new Bible he gave to me the other day, and I looked at it, and he just got this new Bible. And I know he must be looking at it because he had outlined it everywhere, boy. And I'm like, man, he's already in the Word. But Josh is a blessing to me. When he came here, I renamed him. He is actually Robbie the Apostle. He was here for months, and I called him Robbie. And then one day, Jonathan said, who is Robbie? I said, he plays in the band, man. He plays the guitar. He said, his name's not Josh. Robbie is Josh. So I asked him, I said, dude, why you been going by Robbie? Why didn't you tell me? Well, you was the pastor. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. So I knew he wasn't a church member then when he was worried about me. And so I said, brother, I'm sorry. So I just call him Robbie now. And you know, what the coolest thing he did, though, when Diane buzzed my hair, he had long hair about a month ago. He showed up, man. He said, in honor of you, brother. No, nah, he didn't. But he shaved his head. I said, man, that's how you support your preacher, amen? <laughs> shaved his head, too. But all kidding aside, I love this brother. He loves the Lord. You know, he plays his guitar. He comes up here to just serve the Lord. And we need to be thankful for young people like him. He could be playing that guitar in a barroom like lots of them do. But he's not. He's playing in here for us. Amen. So before y'all leave, come and welcome into the official membership of Bethany Baptist Church. Is there anybody else before we go? Happy Father's Day. I hope you go and have a great day. Have a good nap. I hope they bought you something. They asked me today, what did Diane get you? And I might as well tell you because I know Bart and Dennis is going to tell everybody. I said she bought me some really expensive souped-up underwear. <laughs> Best I've ever worn. <laughs> and I ain't lying. So I'm going to tell you what, when you get to be old, underwear is good. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. It don't take much to make us happy when we got Jesus. But y'all come and say hello to Josh and welcome him here. God bless you. Have a great day. And we got a couple of announcements. I'm sorry. But Brother Jimmy's service in the morning, visitation at 10. The service is at 11. It's at Century Funeral Home on Mansfield Road. And if anybody wants to bring food to the family, they have asked us to bring it to their house. And that's on Cook Road. Right now, the bridge is out. You can only come from this side. So you have to get on, on Buncombe, go down to Cook Road. You turn, and um, you, you'll see probably their house. I don't know the number. I don't know the number either, but it's got a... It's got a fence with a gate in the front and a brick house kind of offset. But that's where we're bringing the food. And um, so want to make sure we do that thank everybody here lately i know we tired we've had so much going on but we we had brother johnny james yesterday thank everybody who helped with food for that